is it possible to stay small and independent uh, in this environment? For sure. Well, the, def definitely the answer is yes, but it's a qualified yes. Rock Rocket, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Scope Forward show. It's not every day that I get to talk to somebody who has founded a company on his own name. So you, <laughs> you are the uh, principal of uh, Rocket Healthcare Strategies, and you, you have worked for a long time uh, with gastroenterologists and the GI space. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Great. It's a pleasure to be here, Praveen. I've uh, admired your company and the growth of your organization over, over the last few years. And you and I have, uh, have to talk from time to time, but it's been great uh, getting acquainted with you. Rock, you've been in the GI space for a long time. How did you get involved with gastroenterology? Uh, right. Prabina, I've, I've been involved with a gastroenterologist for about 15 or 20 years. I initially became involved through a company that I was, small company that I was running, that was doing accreditation consulting. We had a relationship with the accreditation agencies with the Joint Commission. So I was approached by the Joint Commission and they said, Blue Cross has some concerns about, about offices and about office-based procedures. And would you be able to talk to them? And so I started talking with Blue Cross and and out of that developed a negotiated arrangement. So the physicians, gastroenterologists could be reimbursed at a higher rate for doing procedures in their offices, provided that they became accredited. So I provided the accreditation consulting, La Crosse provided the incentive. It was, you know, it was a nice little package deal, a win-win for, for the members, for Rocket Healthcare and for the gastroenterologist. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was really what kicked things off for me. Well, how has GI changed over these last couple of decades from your lens? What I've seen over the last 15 to 20 years is, you know, number one is consolidation. I see that they're also being able to, you know, look at different revenue sources because, you know, while the consolidation is going on, there's also the downward pressure on their charges and on their reimbursement. And so with that downward pressure, then they have to come up with, you know, more creative solutions. And so developing additional revenue strategies uh, is something I've, I, I've been very much involved with, and I've helped uh, the gastroenterologist uh, in that regard. What do you think of this wave of consolidation that has swept uh, gastroenterology as a space? You know, I <laughs> I guess ultimately I'm not a big fan of it, um, but the consolidation obviously leads to bigger and bigger organizations, and bigger organizations are tougher to deal with, more difficult for patients to navigate, and so you and so you start losing some of that age-old, you know, physician-patient relationship. You know, it's a, it's a fact of life; it's here to stay; it's not going away. Uh, and it will sweep up, you know, large segments and large chunks of the entire healthcare industry, but but not the whole thing. So <laughs> that's that's my view. So when you say uh, not the whole thing, let's talk about that segment that does not want to consolidate and wants to stay small and independent. So I, I want to start by asking you: Is that even possible? You know, given this massive pressure. 
coming in from uh, the health system side because the health systems are consolidating and they're locking in referral networks. Other practices, maybe in a region, they've taken PE or joining a PE platform or plan to, uh, they might be consolidating or hospitals are acquiring physician practices. Uh, that trend is happening. Uh, and uh, again, like you said, the insurance reimbursement is on the decline. So given all these changes, uh, is it still possible? And I'm sure many in the audience are interested in this question. Is it possible to stay small and independent uh, in this environment? Uh, and if, if the answer is yes, I, you know, I already have a follow-up of how. <laughs> For sure. Well, the, def definitely the answer is yes, but it's a qualified yes, okay? So it's a qualified yes. You can, you can, you can stay small. You can stay independent. You can, you know, be in, in control of your own, not only your own destiny, but be in control of your own practice patterns and your own approach to, to patients and patient care and so forth. You know, in, in some situations with these, with these consolidated and larger groups, they get, you know, very very focused on production and productivity and so forth. And they kind of get obsessed with that. You know, I've had clients of mine who just rebelled against that and say, I want to practice the way I want to practice. I want to do as many procedures as I want to do. I want to have that control that a physician, a physician should have. And, and it depends upon your market, depends upon where your group is, depends upon your relationships within that market. Uh, your referral network and so forth. Some others have come to me and said, well, if I go off and do this and set up office endoscopy suite, the, the hospital is going to crush me. And I said, well, uh, that's certainly possible. And maybe this is not for you. So it's, it's not for everybody, but it definitely is a, a strong and viable solution. So who is it for? Uh, you know, in what kind of environments is, is such, such a model possible? Uh, and when you say, again, I'm saying this in my own words, but helping physicians or gastroenterologists diversify and add revenue streams, uh, how can they do that? What are those strategies that they can deploy? Well, so, so the, the strategies are the strategies that the consolidated groups, you know, employ as well. So there are arrangements where the gastroenterologists can share in the pathology revenue that are, you know, totally legal, totally within the uh, the constraints of the of the regulations. And there's, you know, one model is called a TCPC model. There's other kinds of arrangements where a group can work with a local path lab or a, you know any a, a path lab anywhere in the country for that matter, and and they can you know, participate in the pathology revenue. Likewise, on the anesthesia piece, the anesthesia piece can be part of the revenue solution because you, you know, you either hire your own uh, MD anesthesiologist, hire your own CRNAs, bill and collect for them. There's other models where the mobile anesthesia group will come into your office and you will do the work with them and then they will provide the, the nursing services. They'll, they'll provide the recovery room nurse or nurses. If a recovery room nurse is $80,000 a year, for instance, that's a pretty significant chunk. So I would say, you know, to anybody interested in 
being on their own or going out on their own or having a small group and, you know, on an independent basis, you look at your professional fees that, that's coming to you for your practice. You look at rev, other revenue sources and principally those are anesthesia and pathology. There are some other smaller items that, are, you know, colon prep and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, that's in, in a kind of an, uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's how it can work. Mm-hmm. Doesn't some of this uh, require uh, investments or money? And some doctors may ask, where would that come from? Exactly. Yeah, you, you got to have money to make money, right? So the, it, it, it does require an investment. So what I would do with a, a gastroenterology group, uh, they can come to me or they can, they can go to, their, to an accountant or someone to say, hey, how much is this going to cost and how much am I going to get from it? So you kind of develop a performa. You develop a performa much like the, uh, you know, the surgery center management companies uh, would develop. And so you, you look at those costs of the, the build out, the design, the build out, the equipment, the staff, the cost of getting accredited and, and put all of that together. And, and that's the cost. And you know, over how many years can we amortize those costs? Can we lease equipment, do certain things like that? So first component is the, the, the expense side. The second side is, you know, is what is the reimbursement going to be? Are the payers going to reimburse me more for doing the procedure in the office? And there is a certain trend in that regard that's a very positive trend. I had a, a conversation just yesterday afternoon with a, a, a vice president of a leading Blue Cross organization. And they, uh, just as of you know, January, this past January, two months ago, increased the reimbursement for office-based procedures by 15%. Well, if you're a gastroenterologist and you're already getting, you know, seven or eight hundred dollars for an office-based procedure, then that's another fifteen percent on top of that. You could be a podiatrist. You could be a, a plat. You could be, a, you know, a, a urologist. There are several different specialties that that applies to. The, the, the payer organizations and principally Blue Cross are seeing that they have to do something to counter the consolidation efforts right? And because they're losing leverage. When the payer is, you know, still the same size the payer is, but the providers get larger and larger, then the payer is losing leverage. So they have to do something to strengthen their position. There are regulations, right? The certificate of need regulations, which dampen or prohibit the development of surgery centers in roughly half of the states of the U.S., Illinois is one, Massachusetts, North Carolina, lots of East Coast states, a couple of West Coast states. So the payers are looking at different strategies. In some cases, the payer will pay the gastroenterologist equivalent to a facility fee. They will say, we will pay you as if you're a licensed surgery center. We know you can't be because of the regulations in our state. What I keep learning is that you know, the insurances are getting so big uh, that even some of the largest physician groups are finding it difficult to negotiate with them and improve contracts. So if that is the case for these large groups, uh, then if somebody decides to stay small, could they ever expect to, you know, get better reimbursements or uh, negotiate 
you know, with these insurances, will they even come to the negotiating table? Yeah. Yeah. So very good point. Very good point, Praveen. A small group negotiating with a Blue Cross. Yeah, forget it. You know, that's that's you know not really going to be uh, too effective. I think what you what you have to be aware of is are what are the trends? What are the reimbursement trends being in, invoked by the by the payers? And so and it's going to it's real. It's literally on a state by state basis. The Blue Cross of Illinois pays for uh, roughly 200,000 endoscopy procedures per year. If they're paying a surgery center or a hospital outpatient department, you know, an average of $1,500 to $2,000, then it's hundreds of millions. It's like $300 million a year. And so it's, you know, it's not heart surgery. It's not knee replacement. It's not big ticket items, but it's high volume of a relatively low cost procedure. And so Blue Cross is incentive. You know, they are motivated to, to, to address that issue and how can they uh, impact. And I think the pandemic is probably inspiring that as well or contributing to that. Nobody wants to go to a hospital now unless they absolutely have to. So to have a colonoscopy done in a hospital just doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it needs to be done in a surgery center. Oh, our state is a certificate of need state. We don't have many surgery centers. Okay, you got to come up with another solution, and that's where this office-based solution is is effective. So you know that there are favorable market conditions for office-based procedures and for independent practices to maintain and grow and sustain themselves, and then there are, are certainly unfavorable market conditions, and that. You know, people have to be aware of that. And that's that's something that I try to keep my finger on the pulse of so that that's part of the value that I bring to the table. You know, the gastroenterologists who are deciding to stay small uh, and independent, how are they uh, working out their relationships, you know, with the regional or local hospital or health system? Do they have any control at all? Uh, if so, how? You know, let's let's take Chicago for an example. Let's take the Advocate Health System, for example. So, you know, within a very large organization like Advocate, I don't know, 14 or more hospitals, thousands of physicians, many of those physicians are employees, right? They're employees of that organization. Kind of an equal number, uh, a couple of thousand physicians are what they call Advocate Physician Partners. So, you know, their arrangements with the carriers are contracted through, through the advocate system and, and the advocate umbrella, but, but they're not constrained by that. They're not employees of that. So they still have this independence and that can, can work. And there's, there's age-old examples from 20 or more years ago in Virginia with Dr. Irving Pike and negotiating an arrangement with the system there to say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create, our group is going to do office-based procedures. That doesn't mean we're going to cut out the hospital entirely because we're still going to, you know, do make referrals to the hospital. There's still the higher level cases, the cancer cases, whatnot, that are going to get referred to the hospital. So, you know, it's not a total sum game. There are arrangements where everybody can share in a, in a piece of the pie. Maybe it's not as big a piece of the pie as they used to have, but they still get a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. What's your view on uh, gastroenterology for the next five years, 10 years? 
maybe even longer how, how do you see the space uh, from a business standpoint evolve so i think technology is going to erode the position of gastroenterologist i said something to a gastroenterologist prominent gastroenterologist in chicago a couple of years ago about doing a colonoscopy and he looked at me and he said a monkey can do i guess a, a colonoscopy so don't don't get worried about the the difficulty involved in doing a colonoscopy so i said maybe somewhat of an exaggeration but nevertheless there are those issues so so the technology is a big driver this consolidation it's, it's interesting to me because I see, you know, the pros and cons of cons consolidation. And once consolidated, uh, you know, do the, do the doctors stay in those groups? And there, there are some, you know, indications that there definitely is a, se a segment of people who, once they've gone through that whole consolidation process, they say, you know what, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I'm out, you know, I'm going to exit. And maybe it's the more affluent. Maybe it's the more affluent who will be able to preserve their independent physician practice. You know, they'll they'll have that relationship with their uh, independent small physician practices. Unequal, but but it's a it's a reality. So Rock, thank you so much for uh, this conversation. Uh, any final words uh, before we close? I very much appreciate your time uh, today and spending this time with you, Praveen. It's, it's been a, a good experience, and uh, I hope I can contribute something to, to help the, the gastroenterology specialty and the individual physicians who are looking for, you know, what, what's the right fit, what's the right career fit for them within, uh, within their specialty. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Thank right. you so much.